running a business or an accounting platform and you're going, gosh, am I the center of gravity in the platform or am I an embedded solution? It's asking yourself, do I have the gravity? Do I have the system of record? And is the small business owner in my platform all day long? Welcome to the SMB Tech Innovators podcast powered by Gusto. On this show, we explore the intersection of fintech, vertical SaaS, and how software combats the rising complexity of running a business. Our goal is to share stories, advice, and best practices from the leaders and investors behind today's cutting-edge platforms. This episode of the SMB Tech Innovators podcast is brought to you by Gusto Embedded. Gusto has spent a decade building and testing its payroll, tax filing, and compliance infrastructure, which is available as a robust set of APIs so you can develop custom-tailored payroll solutions. For more information, go to embedded.gusto.com. Here's your host, Brian Bush. In this episode of the SMB Tech Innovators podcast, my guest is Carrie Goman, the CEO of Carrot, a practice management solution for small and medium-sized law firms. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this one, Carrie, but let's start with a little bit of your background. And I think it's important. You have an incredibly diverse background, much of it in tech. And so it'd be easy, I think, for listeners, if they just saw your LinkedIn profile, to miss that you've seen a lot of embedded fintech from all sides. So please tell us a little bit about your background and the journey that led you to where you are today. Yeah, I have seen a lot of embedded fintech. So as you said, my current role today is to serve um, small and medium-sized law firms with a full-service platform with some embedded fintech, and we'll get to that. But before that, I've been there about a year and a half, but my background is all in what I call traditional financial services, fintech, as well as B2B SaaS platforms. And of course, both as an operator and a little bit sitting on the investor side of the table. On the traditional fintech side, I started my career at GE in insurance and investing. I then spent a good amount of time at Capital One leading the small business bank. So very much a traditional financial services view of the world. And then also at fintechs like Intuit and more recently at Zero, where my team and I had an opportunity to run the global app marketplace and build the first embedded fintech businesses at Zero on a worldwide basis. And then I also got to flip over and spend some time at Bain Capital Ventures, coaching and working and investing in a variety of vertical SaaS platforms, as well as embedded fintech solutions. And so seeing the entire ecosystem, I feel like I've sort of seen these challenges and problems over the course of my career from almost every angle, which has been a real pleasure, really. Indeed. Well, you've seen in fintech since before that was a term. True. So I hope that's not like a comment on like age or how long I've been in the space. I realized as I was putting it together that it's been quite a long journey of progress, really. I think it's more a comment that the marketers like us, sometimes we take things and run with it when we repackage what's old is new again, sort of thing. Well, let's also anchor the audience. Who is Carrot? You and I chatted previously, and you brought together several what could from the outside look like disparate solutions, but it's not a roll-up strategy. You really, you're touching on front office, back office, you're bringing things together in one place. So tell us a little bit about what Carrot offers and how you're different compared to other practice management solutions. Yeah, so we focus on law firms, like I mentioned, so small and mid-sized law firms, and we help them with every part of their practice. And our solution, it helps them with their back office and accounting, 
their middle office time tracking and billing, and then their front office really working with their clients, doing invoicing and partnering with them. And so we provide an all-in-one solution for our firms, which is really important. And the purpose of what we do is to really create space for our clients. And so everything we do is aimed at helping them get more efficient And like many business owners, law firms, owners and law firm partners really get into business because they're great at the practice of law, but they quickly find they spend a lot of time running the business and in the management of it. And we try to make that as easy as possible because we know that a lawyer plays a very important role in their ecosystem. And if we can free up time for them, they are the most important advisors to their clients, whether they're small business owners, consumers, or corporations. And so that's really what our purpose is. I will add one other thing that's really special about this legal vertical. And I mentioned I've seen a lot of different categories of vertical SaaS. Law firms are really challenged because this particular vertical is really far behind on their technology adoption. And we see about half of law firms, and this is a really startling statistic, don't have any technology solution at all, or they're using a kind of a piecemeal solution. And of those that have technology, only about a quarter of them actually have access to cloud. So they're not even on SaaS yet. It's really startling. And if you consider how critical lawyers are, they absolutely need this tech. It's going to really advance them and their efficiency of their firm. And we're also starting to bring them fintech solutions and embedded fintech, starting with payments. And that alone is a huge thing. Most lawyers are using checks and wires and waiting something like 75 days to get paid. So payments alone is a massive step forward. And that doesn't even get into the other embedded fintech solutions that can really make a difference in a law firm. And I think that's a really important point that especially a show like this, we're talking about the tech innovators for small, medium businesses. It's easy to overlook that, hey, a lot of these businesses are still just, I'll say digitizing for lack of a better word for the first time around. That 50% stat is really shocking. It's shocking. And I knew it when I came to this role. And I've obviously spent a lot of time in other verticals, particularly with accountants and experiencing it, actually seeing clients come to us having not been on anything or transitioning from 30-year-old on-prem tech is wild. And so the advances that these law firms get, it's just a leapfrog from where they are. And of course, we haven't even talked about AI and what that's going to do. And of course, they have to get to SaaS before they can take advantage of the power and the potential of artificial intelligence. Indeed. So I heard you say a couple of things in there. And importantly, all of what you're offering is focused on efficiency for your customers. And you talked about serving both some back office and some front office needs. So I'm really curious when you say efficiency, that to me speaks an operational solution. So I want to dig into a little bit why, you know, especially on the product side, the approach that you've taken with Carrot and specifically, how do you view the relationship between financial services? So some of the embedded fintech that you're building and the operational tools, or I don't want to call it the core of the offering, but the real business management part of what Carrot offers. To me, they're really intertwined, right? So it's a little bit about what is the problem that you're solving for clients. And the problem that I've been chasing almost for my entire career, whether it was from sitting at the bank to the accounting platform to a vertical practice management space is helping a business run more efficiently, run more effectively and be successful. And so being successful really has multiple components. One is being efficient. The other is making sure that your financial health 
and being is performing where you want it to. And the other one is driving revenue. And so when we think about creating space for our clients, we want to help them maximize the way their firms are operating. And that can mean a lot of different things, right? It can certainly mean less time intensive tasks. It can mean automating things that used to take a long time. It can also though mean making sure that they are more effective in the time that they're spending. So how they're collaborating, how they're taking care of cases and matters uh, in the case of our law firms. And financial services and embedded fintech just are really a part of that. So if you think about the three, I call them systems of record that we have, the three ways we work with our clients, if it's back office accounting, which is really financial services, if you think about it, if it's the middle office, how they're dealing with matters or the front office, how they're dealing with clients, fintech is just a part of that. So if you think about how you're dealing with clients as an example, and it's most simple example, I'm actually sending my client a bill. I need to get paid. If I can get paid faster by using digital payments and it's more convenient for my client, I've accomplished two tasks. I've made it easier for my client to work with me, which is great. That's a win. And I've made my cash flow faster. And so in the case of a check, I can't believe how many checks are still in law firms. 75 days to get paid. That's a cash flow problem. And so if I can help firms get paid faster, that's going to make them more effective and more efficient, and they can deploy that capital within their firm. So to me, there's operational efficiency, but just as important is financial efficiency and opportunities to be better. And when we think about what we can do with embedded fintech, it goes way beyond getting paid faster. And as you can imagine, we're talking about all of those things. Well, I'd love to dig into just a little bit. How do you think about when is the right time or maybe the sequencing, like why start with payments? What was it about your either the customer pain or the solution you're offering that said, hey, this is the first place to start? Yeah. The way that I think about platforms is that first you start with what is your system of record? So we're really lucky. I call them three systems of record, right? The accounting is all of the GL, all of the financial records of the company, When we track matters, we see every workflow inside of the organization and we track time. And really time is money if you're a law firm. And then in the front office, we have all of our client records. And so when we think about where do you start, and particularly for listeners who are running a platform business, the question is, what's the most logical place to start? Well, the most logical place to start is exactly what you said, either big customer pain or like a very natural flow. And so when you think about what's a natural flow, it's what are the transactions that are sitting in your system that you can speed up? What are the places with embedded fintech that you can enhance the customer experience? And where does the data that resides on your system make the application of a financial service more powerful and make your offer better for the client? So it makes it an easier customer experience or a better offer. So payments is easy. And I feel like most people start with payments because it's so natural, right? You're sending an invoice. We have that flow right in our platform. It's so natural just to embed the payment right there. And we're making it faster and easier on both sides of that transaction for the customer and for our firms. But there are a lot of other areas that we can go next that are also just as natural. You and I talked a little bit about payroll as an example, which is embedded fintech, but it's also an embedded service. Our law firms need to pay their employees. We have the system that tracks their time. We also, and bills it. We also have the system that is their accounting system that records those entries. And today, when our law firms, as an example, and this is true for many platforms, when they go to run payroll, they run payroll. 
they get a spreadsheet, they upload it to their GL and they usually have significant amounts of errors, actually 3% errors. That's a huge problem. It's a lot of time and effort and energy. That's another pain point. Another example is lending, right? Things like litigation finance. When a law firm goes and it goes through a case, maybe a very big case, it may take them a long time to resolve and they may need to actually go bring in other firms and other experts and expend quite a bit of cash. In our case, we have a lot of information about that law firm, their financial profile, this particular case, their billings, and we can make that process much easier. We haven't gone to offer all of these solutions, but you can see how these examples do exactly what I said. You follow a transaction flow, you have special data that makes your solution more powerful for the customer and easier, and then the customer experience, right? You have a reason to offer something because you can disproportionately save customer pain or solve customer problems. Indeed, and thank you for a few examples. That framework of you're speeding something up, you're making the user experience better, or you have a data advantage. That's arguably the cleanest articulation of the benefits of embedded finance that I have heard in quite a while. So you also advise a number of companies. You mentioned some of your work with Bain and you've been on the investor side of the equation in the past. So how would you talk to maybe an early stage founding team on the opportunities and challenges with embedded fintech? And I think you've outlined maybe some of the opportunities really well. What are some of the challenges? Where does it get tougher to execute on this opportunity? Yeah, so I would say the first one is answering the question, who are you? So are you really a platform? And so do you have an opportunity to embed fintech? And there, of course, I've worked with a lot of companies who they themselves can embed their service into the platform of others, even if they didn't start out thinking they would do that. And so I'll talk about both sides of that, if that's okay. So the first thing to ask yourself the question is, am I a platform? And do I have the opportunity to expand services in a really natural way to my clients? And you know you're a platform if you first of all, have a system of record. So you have a place where you have all of a company's records and where they come on a regular basis. So it's, do you have the data and do you have the gravity within your platform? Meaning somebody is coming to your platform all day long to use it and you have a critical platform in their work. So that's the first question. And it's really important to note, the first thing you have to do is win that relationship and win the platform role and win the position. So that's number one. But as you grow, you may have a very natural opportunity to say, gosh, in my platform, I'm sending an invoice or in my platform, I'm helping someone get paid. Or it seems like all of the employees of this firm use my platform. Do I have an opportunity to serve them in a bigger way? And when you have that opportunity, then the challenge really comes, how do you get started? And I think the beautiful thing about embedded fintech. And you know, you sort of said over the duration of my career, there have been opportunities to integrate things. Uh, cloud kind of came along and we could sort of put pieces together via APIs. And then all of a sudden, the embedded fintech stack has gotten more and more powerful. So now the embedded fintech stack is actually bigger. So it started out with payments. Then we had lending. Insurance is still on its early innings. And now we have embedded services, whether that is embedded payroll or even embedded tax. And I would argue most things can and should be embedded that are not platforms. So banking services, as an example, or even things like accounting. Should accounting 
also be embedded? I would argue, yes, it's not as much of a gravitational platform like a practice management solution as an example. And so as that platform stack has gotten more powerful, it's really easy via API just to put it together. For example, when payments was built at zero, it actually was built way before I got involved with it over the weekend. Our first developer on the platform way back when coded it on the weekend with Stripe and it was super easy. And then there it sat for many years without love and attention and focus until we got to a place where we were seeing $600 billion of invoices flowing through the platform. And we said, gosh, we really ought to make this a bigger business. The reason it sat is because we didn't build this around. So we hadn't yet built a team around it to develop it, to deploy it, to support it. Embedded payrolls, very similar. You and I talked about this, where if you're going to offer embedded payroll, you also have to have implementation services and a sales team and a way to service it. And so if you're going to do embedded fintech, it's really important. Yes, you can build it really easily, but you also then need to put the team around it to make sure it's successful. And once Zero put the team around payments, as an example, it became a very big business for Zero. Do you think it's necessary then that there be a go-to-market motion? If it's easy to put some of this together, are there some embedded finance products that you could say, hey, we'll build it and just let them come, so to speak? Sometimes that can work, but there's got to be some motion to tell customers that it's there. So as an example, it can be a PLG motion, right? So it can be that you have when you're, I'm going to use payments because again, it's an easy example, but you can sort of pop up payments on your platform and say, hey, did you know you could attach payments? Even with that, having a sales team to tell people it's there, to make sure you set it up, to make sure they know how to take full advantage of it is going to get you more success. So I would argue... Yeah, sure, you can hook something up. But if you really want it to be successful, if you really want customers to adopt, you really do need a sales motion. Even if that early sales motion is beginning to talk to customers and understand how they're using it, what they like, what they don't like, what the barriers are, what's scary. But like anything, if you just turn on a new feature, customers don't always find it or they don't always maximize it. So you'll always get early adopters who will do anything on your platform and try anything. But if you really want to get all of your customers to adopt it, I would argue you have to have a go-to-market motion. Well, I appreciate that. And maybe the last piece there, I think there are some, quote, embedded models these days that really feel more like a bolt-on. It's a pretty canned user experience. Maybe the API integration is easy, but it's a different experience. Whereas there are some where the SaaS provider can invest as much time and effort as they would like to really integrate the user experience. And I think there's got to be, this is a spectrum, so I don't think there's a right and wrong here, but do you have any sense of, or any experience on, hey, where along that spectrum do you think things fall down? Where does it get tough to be successful with that product? Yeah, it's a great point. It is really tempting as a business leader sometimes to do all the things that you're highlighting to say, yeah, I'll just put it out there. And I won't try to sell it. Somebody will find it. It's nice and it's integrated or it's sitting there. So if you think about the first... I'm going to use payroll as an example because it's actually a really good one. And I've seen it from a bunch of weird angles. So I'll talk about it. One was when I was at Capital One at the bank, we had a partnership with ADP. Like this is before Gusto even existed as a company. And we would tell the business bankers, sell it. And we'll incent you with it, right? Like just sell. And you don't even have to sell it. You just have to refer it. 
that was not a huge success, shockingly. So we had the go-to-market motion, but why wasn't it successful? Because there was no product motion, meaning there's no reason that someone wanted to buy ADP from us. All the things we just talked about, they didn't get better access. Maybe they got a little bit of a discount, but they didn't really get something more powerful. And there was no reason for them to have it from us. We just were like bolting it on or we had the, it showed up on our website. So that was gen one. And those were like, I guess it's convenient because you told me about it. When I went to zero, I got the next generation of payroll. And I'll use Gusto as an example. I don't know if you know this history, but for a long time, zero in the US had uh, built its own payroll company. And as it turns out, it's really hard to build payroll. I'm sure you guys know that. And it was taking us a really long time. And we were, I think, in 30 states. We've been at it for years. And so we finally decided to stop trying to do it on our own. And we ended up creating a partnership with Gusto, which was awesome. But what we did is we integrated Gusto into the product. So it was part of the onboarding flow. There were real advantages to our customers. And I would say that was awesome. Like we loved that product. Our customers found value in it. It was great. That is what I'll call Gen 2. Now we're on Gen 3, which is with API-based payroll, you can actually, in embedded payroll, and this is true for any product. So whether it's expense management, credit card issuing, payroll, embedded tax, like you can now do the same motion. But with embedded payroll, you can actually via API, integrate it right into the heart of your platform. And then you have the power to change the UI UX. You really have the opportunity to make it a part of the product. So I described this idea of like, how do you integrate the data? How do you save the user steps so there's not exporting and importing of data and making mistakes, but you could actually just have the data flow in a really natural way. You're essentially making them one product. And that is a huge unlock. And that's where you're going to see the most success because clients want it. Not only do they want it from you, but you've now changed their experience and you've offered them. I would argue you're now not offering them a separate payroll offering. You're offering them a new product which is your product plus payroll. And when FinTech done right, really offers that kind of promise, you're almost offering a fully different proposition. Terry, I love that point. I feel like you had your three points of, we speed something up, it's a better user experience, or we have a data advantage. And you just mentioned, say with the case of payroll, accuracy is really important. It prevents rework and downstream errors. So like, there's an advantage there. Do you see any other advantages? Is there anything else you want to mention on the data advantage side when it comes to embedded fintech? Yeah, I mean, data's huge, right? So I think about it in a couple of ways. One is financial products are fundamentally data products. And really at their core, data is essential to underwriting, to information flow, to the power of the product itself. And the first thing I'll say is data is powerful because the financial product can be made better or more powerful or transformed into something else because of the data itself. For example, if I have really interesting information about a law firm and its employees, maybe I could offer them insurance in a very different way or with very different benefits because I have information that fundamentally makes the insurance product more powerful. So that's number one is like, how does data transform the product and make it better or more powerful, make it more advantageous? The second is insights. And when you have a system of record, you can provide real insights to customers that are fundamentally different than the questions they might naturally ask or the data they might naturally have access to. And so the other piece of it is taking that system of record and making it more powerful because now you have additional financial data as a part of it and you're combining data and creating new insights. Obviously, I'm really excited about how AI can even offer those insights. 
or answer questions you have never asked the data to do. But you can imagine if you start to, for example, and I'm going to use payroll since I'm talking to you, I gusto. But you can imagine if I am, for example, a law firm and you have your accounting with me and I'm now processing payroll and I'm now doing billable hours, I can really understand the efficiency of my workforce. I can understand how much I'm billing versus hours worked. I can start to understand uh, profitability for my firm, profitability by case based on how I'm paying my employees. So now I'm getting a whole bunch of data that I could never have had before. So if you're, again, fundamentally using data to enhance the product and offering new insights. And so it's both about the product becoming more powerful with data and then the insights and the unlock and the efficiency and the transformation that can happen for your customers. So whether you're a law firm or a retail restaurant or any other vertical, the examples are different, but the thrust of it, the sort of themes are exactly the same. Well, I love that, Carrie. And you know, that it's a little predicated on fintech, but I appreciate that you've also outlined, hey, what it takes to do fintech and where the opportunities are. I'm curious, working with Carrot, obviously you're a vertical specific solution. Do you think any of this changes if say you were still with a zero or any sort of horizontal service or platform? Where does the horizontal versus vertical start to shake out in your mind? That's going to be... I think a really fun thing for the whole industry to go through. So I'll give a couple of examples that I think are really powerful. It was sort of the second part of what I was describing earlier, whether you're a platform or you are an embedded service. I think I often thought made the mistake, and I'll give Capital One as an example, of thinking that I was a platform when I was actually an embedded service. And when I was at Capital One, it was the advent of the cloud. We were starting to build our digital small business bank from scratch, which was really exciting. And we had this great insight that business owners, that their accounting doesn't work with their payroll, doesn't work with their business management system, doesn't work with their banking. And we thought we could integrate all those things. So that was the right answer. But then we were like, a small business owner will come to us to see all of their financial information, all of their business information. And while the vision was exciting and solved a necessary problem for small business owners, which is financial management and the difficulty of managing multiple platforms with pieces of financial components, the idea that we were going to be the center of the universe was wrong. Actually, we need to go where a small business owner naturally does their work and be part of that ecosystem. And so if I had it to do over again, I wouldn't have tried to have businesses come to me. That solution works to a degree, but I would have rather spent my energy going to where small business owners are and plugging into those places in a very natural way. And so you could just almost see from my career, the step through that process where I went from capital one to zero and I thought the accounting system is it. And as it turns out, business owners do not log into their accounting system. They really use their practice management solution where they do their work. And so I just keep getting closer to the customer and closer to solving that problem of financial management where and meeting a, a business owner where they are. And so it's actually that it's going where they are and spending time there. And so if you are running a business or an accounting platform and you're going, gosh, am I the center of gravity in the platform, or am I an embedded solution? It's asking yourself, do I have the gravity? Do I have the system of record? And is the small business owner in my platform all day long? Is this the thing that they use to run their business? Or is it a place they go to do work? And so I think if you're a business owner, you are thinking about pulling in my payroll, my accounting. I think tax is a great example. For many, many years, TurboTax is a place that you go and you 
put your information in TurboTax and you get your tax return. And it's a beautiful experience. Actually, do you want to go use TurboTax or would you rather be in a system that you're using on a regular basis as a consumer, even your bank, and just have it extract the necessary financial information and pre-populate your tax return? Why do you need to file? Isn't data readily available in all of the systems that you use as a consumer? There's a company called Column Tax that have had the pleasure of partnering with at Bangkok Ventures, and they're doing just that. And they're embedding themselves into platforms, Propel or Like a Money Lion or Capital One. And in that case, serving up another natural solution, but doing it in a way that meets all of the things we talked about. And they're going closer and closer to platforms that consumers use every day. They're making it faster and easier because they're extracting data from other sources and pre-populating. They are making the user experience easier because who wants to go file a tax return? And they have the data and they're attaching themselves to the systems of record or the places where financial data resides. And so they'll go find all of the platforms that they can integrate to. And I gave an example. Sometimes you are a platform and sometimes you are in a better. And in this case, I mentioned... Uh, something like Comtax could naturally fit into online banking. And in that case, they're acting as a platform. And this is something natural that they could extend. And so this trend of bringing the world together is going to continue and it's going to extend itself in a lot of different places that we maybe today don't even think about as something that can be embedded and make our lives easier. Yeah, that's a fantastic distinction that your embedded services are your platform And I want to reiterate, you mentioned there are three systems of record sort of in the back office is the accounting system for the finances. The middle office, it's the operations or the matters system. And you mentioned on the front end, it's the customer system of record. It's the CRM or it's wherever we're interacting with customers. And so I really appreciate you've given us several great frameworks to think about how do we anchor some of these key decisions that our listeners face every day when it comes to embedded fintech. To wrap up, what are you most excited about when it comes to software, when it comes to SaaS, when, and especially as it serves small and medium businesses today? Yeah, I'll talk about two things. One that I feel like it's something that's happening right now and is not as sexy, but is really presents an exciting opportunity. And then I'll talk about this sort of, of course, I have to mention AI because I'm so excited about its potential. And I feel like no conversation is complete without it. When I think about the core basics for a long time, and particularly like for the last... I'm going to say 10 to 15 years, there was a lot of venture capital flowing into small and mid-sized business tech, and particularly the advent of SaaS. And if you remember over that period, we saw a thousand point solutions come to serve small businesses. And each of them did something very specific. And it was transformational because small businesses historically just didn't have great tech. And it seems silly saying that now, 10, 15 years ago, there was very little. Businesses were doing a lot with pen and paper. They were dealing with systems like ADP that were really old and antiquated. And so all this new tech came up. And that's really even when Gusto came up as this kind of SaaS cloud player in in payroll. And so there's all these point solutions and they're great. And if you're a business owner, you go out and you buy a stack of 10 systems and you've got your Expensify and your payroll solution and your solution to run your office or deal with your employees and track their hours, that's complicated. And the cloud came along, it connected all of those things. And that was great, but again, still insufficient. And it was still time consuming to manage between these platforms. 
And I think right now we're experiencing where we may have experienced the unbundling, kind of the rebundling. Business owners are like, can you just make this easy and work again? And I think that's why you see proliferation of two things. One is these idea of platforms that we can then embed everything in and a desire from a business owner, whether it's a small or mid-sized company, to just get it all in one place and make their lives easier, assuming that it's beautiful and easy and simple. So I think that's really exciting. And I also think that solutions are getting more and more vertical, which is really exciting if you're a business owner. So if you're a law firm, you buy a solution for a law firm. If you're a restaurant, you can buy a solution for a restaurant. If you are a spa, you can buy a solution for a spa and have everything integrated. And the reason businesses are excited to provide those vertical solutions is they can help monetize all of those individual solutions. So things that maybe they couldn't have really afforded to do because the TAM of the market was too small. The TAM of the market is now big. So embedded fintech actually has facilitated vertical SaaS and created better and better solutions for small and mid-sized businesses. So I think that's super exciting. And then the part two is I'm so excited about the promise of AI and what it can do and how it will transform technology and transform the lives of those small businesses. And we're certainly applying it in our platform and everyone is, and it's certainly the buzz, but it's just embedded FinTech over the last five years has become really usable and really consumable. AI has been around forever, but it's now starting to become consumable and usable. And dev platforms like Microsoft Stack, Google Stack are making it easy to use and easy to embed. And that's going to be transformational to small businesses. And maybe to push it just a little further, do you see it contributing to that like rebundling, if you will? Is AI right now, especially for a vertical SaaS company, helping bring the solutions together more effectively? It can. I think it probably it's less about bringing them together and more about making them more effective when they are together. So I'll use a legal example. And if you go watch Satya's keynote during the Microsoft developer conference, he uses a legal example and it's really powerful. And it's about a co-pilot and this idea that a lawyer's drafting a document as they do very often. And document drafting is important IP for a law firm and for a lawyer. And it's often the repeatable task, but it's not a completely standardized task. And a co-pilot can help actually automate that document. And we have a product called Hot Docs, which is document automation and assembly. And we pull IP from a clause library to create that document. So you can imagine that AI essentially makes the utilization of that clause library right into a Microsoft Word document or right into a lawyer's daily task easier. Similarly with FinTech, you can imagine the data as an example we talked earlier, how could AI serve up answers to data and answers to questions before those questions are asked and provide insights in a much more digital and friendly way. So it makes the usability of the product more powerful, but not necessarily the integration. Does that make sense? 100%. And I think it's actually a great point. AI can be the overlay on it makes the user activities faster, it makes the user experience better, and it reinforces the data advantage, whether it's embedded fintech, whether it's rebundling these different point solutions. I think you make a compelling case why this will revolutionize software. Yeah, it really will. And it's exciting. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much for your time today and for joining the show to share your insights with our audience. 
Before we wrap up, if our listeners have questions or they want to go deeper on anything covered today, where could they connect with you? Maybe on social media or LinkedIn? Yeah, definitely reach out on LinkedIn. I am out there. There are very few Carrie Gomans, as it turns out. So please do reach out there. And I'm happy to engage in a bigger conversation about the topic. Uh, I have spent my whole career focused in this space, but it's not because it's interesting tech, which it is. And it's not because it's changed a ton and it's interesting and fast paced, which it is. It's because I love the problem that we're chasing, which is helping business owners be successful. I can't think of a better place than Carrie. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the SMB Tech Innovators podcast. We'll make sure to link to any resources that were mentioned in today's show in the show notes. Please also feel free to leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast or to connect with the Gusto Embedded team via LinkedIn. In particular, we'd love to hear any future guests you'd like us to have on the show. Thanks again for listening and keep a lookout for the next episode.